Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And you know, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, well, I've done too much. I've done too many things. You don't know the sins that I've committed. You don't know the, the train wreck of my, my past. Well, that's okay. Because God loves you. And he doesn't love you because of those things, but he loves you because Christ died in your place. The very prince of love, the very God of love. God is love. So different than the things that we see in the world. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Scripture says, God is love. The love John speaks of comes from the ancient Greek word agape. It is a concept of self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is the God kind of love. Since this is God's kind of love, it comes into our life through a relationship with Him. Every human relationship is like a triangle. The two people in the relationship are at the base of the triangle, and God is at the top. As the two people draw closer to the top of the triangle, closer to God, they will also draw closer to one another. Weak relationships are made strong when both people draw closer to the Lord. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Let's read uh, 1 John chapter 4, let's read verse 7. And maybe just go down to verse 16. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And he goes on in verse 12 and he says, No one has seen God at any time, and if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us, and by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen, notice, and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has sent for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. And that may be all we get through today. We'll just see how it goes. But you'll notice or remember the last couple of weeks we've been really parked on verses 1 through 6 of this chapter. And remember, verses 1 through 6, we're kind of in this place of um, 
really surrounded by these passages concerning love. And, and we looked at and we spent the, spent the last two weeks on those six verses in chapter 4 in the very beginning. But now John is going to continue in this idea of love. In fact, the Bible calls him the apostle of love. He's the disciple of love. And he's one of those characters that I really love because, you know, Peter was very different than John. They had very different temperaments. John was very quiet and a mystic, very introverted, I think, to some extent, very different than Peter, who was very uh, boisterous. He was uh, out on the limb all the time. Peter would often say things before his brain registered what, was, what he was going to say. And I can relate to that, because sometimes I've done that myself. Have you? You've let your mouth run before your, your mind and your heart has really considered it. But John was very different. John was one of those men who would allow God to love him. You know, there's a lot of boasting. We can boast in a lot and say, well, you know, I love God. You know, every one of us in this room, if you're a child of God, you can say, well, I love God. And that may be true. But have you allowed God to love you? We live in a crazy world. We live in perilous times because of stress within and without. And we have a tendency to just look after ourselves. And we don't have the time or, or perhaps we don't want to take the time to be inconvenienced by others' problems or their plights until we have a problem or a difficulty. And then we want that same grace extended to us. But see, love, and John knew this, John was the one who rested his head on the breast of Jesus in that night, if you remember, before Jesus was taken. But John was one of those interesting fellows who was just very simple. And I like that. You know, sometimes things are much simpler than what they seem to be or what they can be. And John was just willing to be loved by God. And, you know, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, well, I've done too much. I've done too many things. You don't know the sins that I've committed. You don't know the the train wreck of my, my past. Well, that's okay because God loves you. And he doesn't love you because of those things, but he loves you because Christ died in your place. The very prince of love, the very God of love. God is love. So different than the things that we see in the world. But one thing that we need is we also need to be lovers of God, lovers of people. And need, here's a fancy word. We need this reciprocity of love. And what that means is we just need to, we need to give it and we need to receive it, right? Isn't that what the golden rule is all about? Matthew 7 verse 12 says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And it's kind of interesting because Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples, you remember that in that sermon we call the uh, Sermon... Uh, the Olivet Sermon, or the Sermon on the, uh, on the Mount of Olives. Jesus said this to his disciples. It's recorded for us in Matthew 24, verse 11. It says, Then many false pro- uh, prophets will rise up, and they'll deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many. And we live in a time like that, and that's why this chapter is so important to us. That's why this passage that we're going to be looking at today and next week is so important Because love needs to be the thing that we really consider. We need to consider who love is. And we need to allow ourselves to be loved by God and also to be lovers of people. And this word love in in Matthew's uh, gospel, 
that the love of many will grow cold. The word love there is agape. It's the very highest form of love in the Greek language. It, it doesn't really get any better than this. It doesn't get any higher. This kind of love is self-sacrificing. This kind of love is not convenient. And yet this is the kind of love that Jesus said in the last days will begin to wane, that will begin to grow cold. And as we get, and of course, Jesus in context there, he's speaking of a time yet to come in our future. We know that in the great tribulation and the the events that precede that, preceding the coming of Jesus Christ physically to the earth, we know that things aren't going to get easier. They're going to get harder. They're going to get darker. And even the church, because we are the only ones, folks, that have the deposit of the Spirit of God who is love, who is agape love in every form of it, in every height, and every depth, and every width of it, the Spirit of God dwells in us. Only we have this ability, by God's grace, to demonstrate that kind of love. Because it's not a love that is a quid pro quo. It's not, it's not you do something for me and I do something for you. No, it's a love that is sacrificial. It, it doesn't expect anything in return. In fact, it initiates it knowing the need on the other side. And that's the kind of love that we don't see in existence today. And when we do see it, it tears us apart inside because we realize the real thing when we see it and it brings us to an end of ourselves, doesn't it? And it ought to. It ought to challenge us. It ought to bring us to an end of ourselves. And not so much an end of ourselves and the fact that you know we're going to be depressed and everything, but an end to our understanding of what love really is. And see, that's what I need. I need to come to an end of my understanding of love. And honestly, when you look around in Hollywood, is that, is that the kind of love that is really that we need today? The Bible calls that an eros love. It's, it's, a, it's a physical love. It's a, it's a sensual love. And that, that's the only love that the world can really see and understand. And unless they have the Spirit of God in them, indwelling them, there's no way that they are going to be willing to love the way Jesus loved us. Because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, notice, he died for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. And as we get closer to the return of Christ, we need to be on our guard. And we need to not shut up this compassion, this love that God wants us to demonstrate. And agape love, it is sacrificial It is a love that's often inconvenient. It's very costly. And like I said before, it'll be more likely to bring you to an end of yourself because you'll get to the end of your good deeds, your good thoughts, and you'll find yourself just not able to get to the next level because we're not willing to take the step of being sacrificial. And really that's where love, true love, really begins. And, you know, it, it's, it's a funny thing because you remember when you were first married, you know, there's a lot of fireworks in the, in the, in the, in the honeymoon. But as you go on, that love deepens and, it, and it, gets, it develops a deeper character. The facets of that diamond begin to, to, to show themselves. And it's not just so much one-sided. It's not just so much two-dimensional. Now it becomes three-dimensional and even four-dimensional. And it starts to develop and it starts to deepen if we're in Christ. If we're not in Christ, it's just going to go on and we're going to get bitter and angry. But only in Christ can our love of God and for one another grow better and get better through time. And I want to challenge you in that because there's a lot of you who have been married for a long time. And you've taken advantage of your spouse. You've taken them for granted, perhaps. And it's time for all of us, because the, you know, the, the marriages in, in our body and this fellowship are so important. 
It's so important, and people see that. And that is a witness of Christ in us. And so it's so important that we do that. We have to learn to love. We need to ask God to show you how to love others and to be other-centered. And as the church, we ought to and need to be those shining examples of God's love, not just for the believers, but especially to the unbeliever. Especially to the unbeliever. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 43, let me just read it to you. You can write this down if you want. But it says, Jesus said, You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say unto you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And of course, Jesus is not saying perfect in the sense of moral perfection, but maturing in this love, maturing in this idea. Let's look at verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You know, the idea behind this verse is, is very interesting. And you know, when we were in First John chapter 1, there were, there were uh, many passages where if you read them at face value, you'd grow very discouraged, you know. Uh, you know, if, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And if we continue, if we, if we continue to, or if we sin, then the love of God is not in us. And, and the tense behind these things is very important because it talks about a continuation. It talks about a habitual stance in that. And, and this is one of those verses. He says, Beloved, let us continue habitually love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves, who continues to love, who has a, a habit of loving, is born of God. That, born, that word born there is the whole idea of being born again. You're born of God. You're born from above. You're born with the Spirit of God in you. And that's what it means to be born of God. And he says, everyone who continues to love is born of God and knows God. And it speaks of a habitual thing. It speaks of something that we do often. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. Why? If you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. So it's so important for us to love. And, you know, if you're born of God, you have the capacity to love. But we need to actually put feet on it and do it, don't we? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. This is perhaps one of the greatest chapters on love, and it's a chapter that we all know very well. 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to encourage you that every single time, instance, in this chapter that you see the word love, it is referring to agape. Agape love, this sacrificial, self-sacrificing, other-centered kind of love. Notice what Paul says to the Corinthians, this very pagan, this very sensual culture that he was speaking to. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, 
but have not love. The word is agape. I have become like sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, and now Paul is not saying that he has all these things, but he's saying, if I did, if I had all of these things going on so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You see, the thing is, is I can have all of these things. We can have all of these things. But if we don't have real agape love, it profits us nothing. You know, there's nothing on earth as beautiful when someone does something, not to be seen or heard, and the motive behind their action is totally selfless and even self or even sacrificial. Have you ever seen those kinds of acts where they're not concerned about if anybody's got a camera? There's no Channel 10 news camera there recording the event. Something happens to people when they get a camera in front of them. It gets really crazy. But you know what God really loves? He loves when we do these kinds of acts of love when there's no possibility of anybody finding out about it. It's giving in simplicity. It's, it's doing things in the shadows that nobody even sees. And God, what God sees done in the, in the shadows or in the darkness, not in spiritual darkness, but just in away from all of the noise and all the press. He says, what, what the, what's done in secret, I will reward openly. There's coming a day, folks, when we're going to be rewarded for those things that we've done. But this is precious in the sight of God when we do things, not to be on the front cover of the newspaper. But let me tell you that every act of kindness, every self-sacrificing act that you do is etched in the chronicles in heaven. Doesn't the Bible say there's going to be books that are going to be opened? And God, you're going to be rewarded. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's not a judgment of salvation or lack thereof, but as a child of God, you are going to receive a judgment, and it's going to be for rewards or lack of rewards. It's totally separate from the other judgment in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. It talks about the great white throne judgment. That's for unbelievers. There's no hope for them at that judgment. But you and I, as Christians, will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord will be able to open up all those things, all those selfless acts that nobody knew. Can you imagine? Have you ever done something like that? I imagine that we all have. And I would encourage you to let it be something that just happens very naturally, supernatural. We don't need to do anything to be seen by anyone. The more important thing is that God sees. And that really blesses him. That brings honor to him because your motive is completely different. But let's go on in verse 4 here in 1 Corinthians 13. Notice what he says. This idea of agape, it suffers long. It's very patient. It's very kind. It doesn't envy. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And I love this. It endures all things. Real love endures Unfortunately, in our culture, love sometimes is based upon performance. I love you if you do this for me. And unfortunately, there's a lot of marriages today that are based on this kind of selfish love. That's why there's so many divorces. Well, when I first married him, he spouted all these promises, spoke all these sonnets, and brought all the flowers. But now that I've got the ring on the finger, and a year has gone by, I'm just like an old shoe. I'm just like an old shoe. And if I don't keep up, 
my performance, then his love, her love for me begins to wane. Is that really what love is? That is not love at all. But love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Notice verse 8, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Notice these spiritual gifts. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And I love what Paul says. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And he's talking about seeing Jesus face to face at the rapture. When we see him face to face, that which is perfect has come is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who's perfect. When he comes... He says, for we see in a mirror darkly or dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall be known. Then I shall know just as I am known. And here the verse is, and now there abides faith, hope, and agape love. These three, but the greatest of these is what? It's love. It's agape. It's so important. You heard in our skit today that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, the fruit of the Spirit And it's supposed to be singular. The word there, fruit, is singular. It's a singular word. The the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And and it's the word agape. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things are really considered a unifying thing. And it's all wrapped up in agape love. Because agape love, when that's operating freely in your life, or even operating sporadically, those will be the demonstrations of it. There will be joy, real joy, not based on the things that I have or I don't have. It will be based on peace, a real peace within, not a peace that is obtained by my being safe necessarily. And long-suffering, patience. Are you patient with one another? Are you even kind? Is your life marked by goodness? Are you a faithful person? Is there faithfulness in your life? Is there gentleness? Are you gentle or are you just a raging bull? Do you have self-control or the lack thereof? These are all things that, they're like a beatitude. These are the things that ought to be demonstrated in the life of the believer. In verse 8 he says, He who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. And here it is again. This, this grammar is, is, is so important because the idea is he who does not continually love does not know God. Somebody who is just filled with hate, and we see that all around us. If we do not habitually love, we prove or show that we do not know God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Jesus said in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 7, he says, you will know them by their fruits. You will know whether they are operating by love or not. We are not to judge anyone, but we are to be fruit inspectors, first in our own life, but also to be watching. person who is not governed by God, who doesn't love God, is going to be governed by something completely else. But somebody who is born of God is going to love God, and it's going to, and it's going to manifest itself very Obviously. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets who come in to you with sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them, notice, by their fruits. 
by their actions, by the way they speak, by the way they hold themselves. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.